Welcome to another podcast. This is Corey Jones. Be ready with Safety Man podcast. Be ready with Safety Man on YouTube. Be ready with Safety Man on RVN TV. Tuesday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. for morning coffee. I'm here with Anthony Sicali, and today we're going to talk gun safety, specifically range safety. You look at the news just the other day, our governor is looking to enact some pretty stiff gun laws. So the last thing we want as avid gun owners, gun shooters, or law enforcement is to have an accident at the range or traveling to and from the range or at our home with a gun. So we're going to talk about some range safety rules. I got 16 years of experience on my end and 13 years of experience as a law enforcement range master, Mr. Sakali. Anthony, welcome. Tell me about yourself. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, so I have uh, 16 years in law enforcement, um, 13 of which I've been involved with uh, range master duties, uh, working the ranges, training, active shooter training, taser training, uh, so a lot of uh, hands-on things as well. So we thought that maybe this would be a good uh, topic today to just, you know, talk about some things and some, a lot of it might be basic, but I think some things, uh, you know, you, you have to go over and make sure that they're nice and clear before you get onto the range. So what does a range master do? What's like, what's that responsibility? So range master is first and foremost safety, right? Like safety man, you know, this is right up your alley, obviously as well. It's safety. Safety is first, uh, as range master, you have to make sure that everyone's safe because you are dealing with live firearms. You are dealing with live ammunition. Um, and so there is prone to, to have accidents happen, but if uh, you have a good range master who's looking out for the people that are out there and helping everyone, uh, not only can you be safe, but you're also going to learn from this person uh, as well. So safety and learning are the, are the top two, definitely. Now, had you been involved in guns before you became a police officer? So I had only shot a gun once before I went to the academy, but I had spent... Um, uh, and then I went through the academy and I just shot phenomenally well. And they're like, where did you you know, learn to shoot? I said, I never shot before. But what I did learn, uh, I played professional. I don't want to say professional, but I played uh, for paintball teams growing up. So we would play against other teams, travel teams, tournament competition teams. Sure. So a lot of things like trigger control, moving and shooting, eye coordination, sighting, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, communicating between team members. So like a lot of basic stuff I learned from playing paintball growing up. And then uh, I kind of you know, uh, adapted that to live firearms. And did you have have to like retrain yourself to be a police officer or did you find that training other police officers was harder or because they may have other skill sets that they're bringing to the range? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes trying to break habits. Um, you know, uh, sometimes guys have habits and you have to break, you know, different things like stances that they're not comfortable with or right. Right. Uh, different ways of loading or the ways they've always been doing things. And you kind of just want to show them some other ideas and say, this might work better um, without criticizing them too much, but at the same time say, hey, here's a new idea. What do you think about this? Let's try this out and try to introduce this, um, whatnot. So this is going to be, this is my pet peeve and I'm sure it's probably one of yours. Whenever you hand somebody a gun, obviously we as fire instructors know we never hand somebody a loaded gun, mm -hmm. right? So we know it's not loaded. We've checked it three, four, five times. Mm -hmm. Usually the slides back, magazine's empty and you can see inside. But people always put their finger right inside the trigger guard, especially people who don't yeah. know a gun. So I know I stress it all the time. I know it's got to drive you crazy. Is there like a trick or something to get people to not do that? <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Yeah, no, I mean, people watch movies and TV, and the first thing that they see in movies and TVs, and that's that's my pet peeve, is when I watch movies and TVs, and you'll see, like, 
you know, the, the supposed to be the veteran cop, and he's like in a scene with his finger on the trigger already, like yeah. <laughs> next to his head, and it's like no cop ever does that, no. like or they shouldn't at least. No. So that's just something that habit people think uh, watching a movie and TV, like oh I have to have my finger like that, but you know, finger control on the outside of the weapon is obviously um, something you want to instill in people right away. That's like one of the first, you know, things that they, you have to really teach people is like finger off the trigger. Um, I actually written down here, my number one safety tip, finger off the trigger. That was one of my notes here. <laughs> right here, finger off the trigger. Yeah, I do see you have a lot of notes there. Yeah. Finger off the trigger. Number one safety tip right <laughs> So there. Hollywood will get you in trouble is what you're saying, right? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, so they, you know, one of the things they say is that the reason they do that where, I, you know, I can't, we're in a pocket, so I can't really show up, but I can kind of describe it. When people have that gun next, pointing upwards next to their head mm -hmm. uh, towards the ceiling, they say they do that because of, of film shooting. Mm -hmm. Like this, the shots are so tight because they want to get the actor's face in the shot. Mm -hmm. So they want to get the gun next to their face. Okay. You know, because, <laughs> you know, uh, if your hand is all the way out, you know, and trying to get a wide angle shot or a close shot, you're not gonna be able to get it. So they would tell the actors to have the guns up next to their heads. That way they can get the gun in their face. Yeah, uh, so, you know, it's the sexy shot. You so know you're on mean? body camera all the time. Do you do that now as a cop? We have body camera and... We have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, all right, guys, we gotta frame the shot here, you know? Yeah. Probably not. So take me through some of the basic rules. If I have a new shooter right out of the box and you're going to take him to the range, mm -hmm. how do we get started? Uh, definitely first thing first, ears and eyes, right? Mm -hmm. um, a nice set of um, earphones. Um, some people will have like the plugs that just stick in their ears. I don't recommend them. And the reason being is that uh, vibrations can still penetrate your eardrums from you know, outside your ears. Okay. So by having the full ear muff over top of that, you're blocking a lot of the vibrations. Uh, so ears and, you know, a good set of um, safety glasses that's gonna shield your eyes. I mean, they're one and two. Uh, to go right along with that, I always recommend wearing a hat because uh, the first time you get a hot piece of uh, brass on your neck, you're gonna... The brass is that what ejects out of the gun? Yeah, the, the, the shell of the gun. Mm -hmm. uh, it comes out really hot. So obviously if it goes down the back of your neck, I mean, uh, or lands on top of your head, you're gonna feel that right away. So wearing a nice uh, baseball cap or something like that. So I mean, uh, safety equipment number one, right? So ears, eyes, and for that, protecting that hot brass. Sometimes if that happens, I've seen people in the range where they almost they freak out. Mm -hmm. and they got a loaded gun in their hand. Yeah, yeah. And now they're freaking out trying to get the hot brass out. So yeah. So you like, kind of gotta forewarn some people, especially someone that's never really shot before. That that if you're in close proximity of other people shooting, that that is a real possibility that that's gonna happen and so to be ready for it you know and it's not you know it's, it's a sting you know but yeah you got to be safe about it and you know it, it burns a little bit but you know you'll get it's not gonna it. catch you on fire yeah it exactly. may be a cool mark you can tell your friends right? <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but uh yeah so that's definitely one of the top things is your safety equipment um and then you got a lot of basic stuff and so a lot of this stuff too you can find on like the nra website and things like that but uh like we said you know the weapon should be unloaded if you're going to pass someone. It shouldn't be loaded until you are ready to shoot, right? Um, knowing your target, what's behind your target, what you're shooting at. Knowing that, you know, when you are ready to shoot, that you prepared, be prepared to uh, destroy whatever you're going to shoot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, treat like I said, treat every gun as if it is loaded. Um, so you, you and I, when we pick up guns, we like have like a repetition that we do, right? Every time you pick up a gun, whether somebody just handed it to you or whether you're going to the range, you pick it up, you take the magazine out, you rack the slide, you visually, physically inspect it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you hear me saying it, I can say it in my sleep. I can, you know, I, I didn't even think about saying it. 
is those safety habits you kind of like want to build into people from the very beginning, right? Yeah, that's, you know, right from the beginning, you want to teach all these things and just that it's got to be complete muscle memory. Like this is exactly what you're going to do. You know, check if it's loaded, you know, check if it's, uh, what, you know, and, and all weapons are a little different too. So you want to visually expect the weapon, inspect the weapon and see what you're dealing with as well. Some weapons have safeties, some don't, some have internal safeties. And so you want to actually physically look at the weapon, make sure you know what you're actually handling as well. For sure. Yeah. Uh, laser rule, I'm sure that's a big one with you. And uh, that is my biggest one. A laser sight on my gun? No, I call it the laser rule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we call it the laser rule. So think of it, I, we say, think of it as like a uh, lightsaber, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a Star Wars geek like myself, uh, if a lightsaber touches anything, it just completely will burn in half, right? Right. So it's the same thing like that. Think there's like a laser on the end of your gun. So wherever you're pointing your gun, uh, it's a it's a live weapon pointing at that. So you want to pretend there's a laser. So you want to make sure you're not lasering your foot or lasering your your neighbor's foot or your uh, friend's arm. So you want to keep your weapon pointed, uh, obviously in a safe direction at all times. And that's and, because of a unintentional discharge. right? Yeah. So you know, obviously you're 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 not gonna plan on shooting your friend in the foot. I hope you know. I hope not at least, right? <laughs> but um, accidents happen. You know, you you stumble, you trip. You know, something like that happens. Um, and you, your finger slides off and hits the trigger guard, or you know something along those lines inside the trigger guard, uh, and accidents happen. So, but if you're always keeping your weapon in a safe position, God forbid uh, you accidentally do do that. At least that round is going into a, into the dirt or into the mound, or, right, right, and not into your friend's foot. So always keeping or your own foot. Yeah, your own foot. Yes, or your own foot. <laughs> Um, so I call it the laser rule, you know, like lightsaber rule, the laser rule, just always treating it like there's a complete laser at the end that's going to cut off whatever it's going to touch. So that's another one that Hollywood always violates, right? They're, oh, they're always with guns. And that is my, that is another big annoyance. Like when they're pointing the guns at each other unintentionally or they're moving it around, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, <laughs> yeah. it gives you like anxiety watching some of these movies. It does because now you know that other people are seeing it and then they think that that's real. Yeah. You know what? Um, have you watched any of the John Wick movies? Yes. Yeah. So the first time I saw John Wick, I, you know, and I, you probably appreciate it too, watching him move and shoot, I was like, I, I, right away, as soon as I saw it, I said, someone trained this guy professionally yeah, yeah. because just the way he was moving, turning, shooting, like just the little things he was doing. I mean, there's a little bit of Hollywood in there, obviously, but uh, just the things he was doing, I was like, wow, this guy. And, and then I watched some of his YouTube videos. He did a lot of um, top notch training and uh, stuff. So you could tell he was clearly knew what he was doing in handling the weapon. John Wick is not the Baba Yaga. He is <laughs> the one you call to kill the Baba Yaga. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... So don't be Baba Yaga with a gun, right? Yeah, Make yeah. Make sure you, you train, you practice. Don't let Hollywood teach you. Get an actual firearm instructor to teach you, right? Yeah, uh, a couple other things that I want to put out there. Um, you know, you would think this would be common sense, but you know, I mean, there's a million videos online that would probably tell you otherwise. Definitely no alcohol at the range. Okay. No alcohol, right? Um, no messing around, like uh, to that extent. You know, you can have fun, you can enjoy yourself, and and really, but definitely, alcohol is definitely a no-no um, if you're going out with your friends or, or whatnot. But that is number one. Uh, you know, rule for bringing things in, no alcohol. So definitely. unlike those hatchet-throwing places where they encourage yeah. alcohol. <laughs> <you know. laughs> Listen, 
I, I can't imagine what the insurance has to be on one of those places. Right. Like, <laughs> like, wait, so you're throwing axes and you can drink as much, you can bring alcohol and drink as much as you want. Like, what, is, what does that insurance plan look and policy look like? Yeah, they were mad at me. I didn't bring enough beer. They're like, we got a whole refrigerator for you, Mr. Jones. Go get some more beer. I'm like, uh, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I've never thrown a hatchet before, so I'm good. Yeah. So I don't know how that works, but yeah. So no alcohol there. Um, but there was a learning curve there for me with that. So it, it kind of parallels what you're talking about with, with firearm safety. For me to expect to go to that hatchet place and not have the instructor teach me how to safely throw the hatchet, how to safely go get it out of the axe, how to make sure that we watched our lane so I wasn't going down while somebody else was throwing. Yeah. I would take that for granted. A lot of people would take that for granted. Oh, we're going to go drink beers and throw hatchets. It's yeah, kind of the yeah. same thing with firearms. Yeah. And that's one of the things I train. Even with taser training, people just say, ah, I don't need the training course. Just give me the taser. I'll figure it out. Yeah. As you are clearly indicating, maybe you wouldn't. Right? Yeah. Things seem like common sense, especially if you've never shot a gun before. I mean, uh, you know, if you ever read stuff online, people are like, well, why didn't, you know, the cop just shoot his, uh, you know, 300-yard shot and not shoot the... Shoot the weapon out of his hand. And it's like, yeah. hey, you obviously have never shot a gun before yeah. in your time. Another Hollywood myth. Yeah, another Hollywood myth. Uh, a couple of things I put down, just some notes to talk about. I guess this is more on the range master side, but your range master should definitely be easily identified. Okay. Um, you should know who the range master is. And so, you know, our policy is we wear like a red shirt, right. like a bright red shirt. Um, so something that's bright, maybe something that stands out, maybe something that's clearly labeled range master. So you know who's in charge of the range. And, you know, I've been the ranges, you know, me being a range master, sometimes we get that cocky, like, alpha male on us, and we're like, oh, I know what I'm doing kind of thing, you know. But, I, you know, I subside to when I go to a range, and if someone else is in charge, like, they are in charge. And I might not always agree with their practices, but as long as they're being safe, you know, I'm going to at least listen to them and follow their instructions right, right. and whatnot. So, uh, you know, labeling who the range master is, and uh, to go alongside with that, whatever commands they're given, uh, you know, you have to follow. So my whole thing is I like to give clear, precise commands, mm -hmm. simple things like sure. range is hot. Range is hot means that we're, we're firing. Range is cold. Cold meaning that, uh, and I'll explain this to people that don't, if they don't know what they're doing. Range is cold means that there should be no firing. All weapons should be away. Uh, no weapon should be out when I say a cold range. Okay. If we're on the line and I tell people, I'll give them a heads up and a command and I'll tell them when I say fire that that will be the command. So fire means that they can shoot. Cease or stop, uh, you know, obviously the easiest ones you could say for people to uh, stop shooting. And holster means to holster your weapon. So, you know, very clear because it's very loud. So if you're trying to explain a paragraph or a sentence or something, you know, people are going to get misinterpreted what you're saying. But using simple, easy commands uh, definitely, I think, helps uh, control the range and makes everyone a little more safer as well. Exactly. And you, you tell people beforehand what to expect. That way, they know when they hear cease fire, cease fire, cease fire, they know to stop, you know, load and make ready for live fire, holster secure, lock it in, whatever you're doing. Say the same thing over and over yes. again, becomes muscle memory. You know, one of the things I, I've heard people tell me is for being a fire instructor for uh, 18 years of my, my career, I say the same things that I did then, now. Mm -hmm. And I've had people, two officers that were involved in officer shootings, that said they actually set in their head the commands that we were teaching at the range. Yeah. You know, ready, scan, scan, scan. Because this guy got into shooting with a dog and that was attacking a woman. The woman was in the dog's mouth. Her arm was in the mouth when he shot and killed the dog. And he said, I, Corey, I remember I shot the dog. It let go and started to run away and I scanned, I scanned. And then I, I saw the woman get ready to chase after the dog. So I knocked her down. I said, no, 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 no. Yeah. Because it, was, it wasn't her dog, but she was a dog lover. 
So, you know, to your point is concise commands mm-hmm. will come back under stress, right? Yeah. And, you know, just easy, easy commands. And even, you know, uh, that's a little more advanced stuff, but working with other officers using commands like moving and shooting and stuff like that and, and tactical stuff, the simpler, the easier the commands, the better you're going to be under like high stress situations. So, uh, you know, I definitely throw that out there. Keep it simple. Stay yeah. Um, uh, what I got range bag in here. That's another note, a couple things I got in here. Uh, so we got the ears and eyes. Jump back to that real quick. A couple other things that I always carry in my... I, I carry way too much. I'm like the guy that brings like way too much in the bag. I'm like... No such thing. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm that guy though. Uh, my bag is like way too heavy. But uh, first and foremost, water. I can't tell you how many times we're out the range uh-huh. and people don't have water on them. And I'm like, we're going to be out here for eight hours. And they're like, oh, you know, it's like 60, 70 degrees. It's a nice day. I'm like, yeah, but you're moving. You're sweating. You, yeah. You know, if you're wear, you should be wearing a vest, but you're you're wearing a vest, you're sweating. So water, a canteen full of water. Uh, even indoor ranges, you know, bring water because, you know, you're inhaling God knows what in some of those indoor ranges. So yeah, um, water. Uh, first aid kit. I got a simple first aid kit. Uh, includes a tourniquet, a bunch of gauze, band aids, um, you know, some just creams and stuff in case there's a burn or something like that. I keep in there. Just a pretty basic bag, uh, but definitely a tourniquet and um, some first aid stuff in there. I mean, you can buy them offline for like 20 bucks, like a decent one that has like at right. least your basic stuff. So you're you're obviously now you're going from back from experience because I'm sure you've been at the range and somebody got a little boo-boo on their hand yeah. and nobody has a band-aid, yes, right? Yeah. So you got the band-aid, you got the little... And it's usually me. I'm usually the one <laughs> that cut themselves somehow and I'm like, how did I cut myself? I have no idea. I'm bleeding everywhere. So. So I've learned from personal experience. Okay, yeah, well, that's the best teacher. <laughs> um, if you're going to be outdoor, bug spray. That's a big one. Cool, but, yeah. You know, if you're training outside. I mean, I am, mosquitoes love me, apparently. So uh, bug spray. And I got a couple guys that are very pasty, to say the least. So uh, sunscreen. I always bring it for them because they always forget. Right, right. And I'm the guy that always, I'm like the mom, right? Like yeah, I yeah, yeah. always pack. I have the sunscreen. Totally. Um, and then the last thing is snacks. You gotta stay. You gotta stay. Yeah, you gotta keep people happy. Yeah. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> have snacks. Yeah. You, snacks. you don't want to get hangry out there. You know what I mean? Especially with loaded weapons, right? Yeah. yeah. Make sure everyone's happy. Everyone. <laughs> but no, snacks though, for real. You know, you're outside. You're out there for a long. Bring a sandwich. Bring Unless a snack. You keep your blood sugar. Yeah. Right yeah. where it needs to be, so you can focus on the task and not your stomach's growling. Like, can we go to lunch? When's lunch? Yeah, yeah. So always just keeping snacks uh, in there. So here's a, here's a part, and I'll, I want to see how you handle this. Uh, when we would do range training all the time, we would go out in the daytime, and I was big on have everybody bring their lunch so we could eat at the range and not have to load all the weapons up again to go eat lunch and unload the weapons again to come back and make the range safe. And I've always been trained that that's when the accidents happen, is coming back from lunch when people are all dumb, fat, and happy, and they yeah. have to unload the weapons again, and that safety check isn't as intense as it was the first time, and somebody's showing up a little bit late, and somebody's still got, you know, they're finishing up their sandwich and whatever, they, they don't make that safety check line. Yeah. So and you're dealing with the same guys over and over and over again, and yeah, you're the mom and you're the range instructor, but sometimes there's that conflict or that personality or people, or you have to tell the chief or tell the yeah. lieutenant or tell the captain, hey, get back on the safety check line. Yeah. Um, I we generally when I've done it before we generally pack lunches mm-hmm. uh, you know and or once in a while we'll send one guy out to pick up pizza or something like that but we right. don't when I've done it before with other people um, we don't really leave and come back like I said if, if it's one person that's the maximum or two people have to go pick up right but uh, we usually pack lunches 
And that keeps it safer, right? Yeah, and plus it keeps it moving too. You yeah. know, that's the big thing too. Yeah. Everyone goes out, you know, and then you're gonna be out then the lollygag and then you gotta reset up, recheck, you know. But there you're kinda eating on your own time, you know, you got a little downtime, I'm doing like some retraining with someone else or someone needs a little help, you know, you can go snag your lunch when you're ready, so it's kinda on your own. Uh, that's kind of how I've experienced it, and I think it's kind of better that way. Like you said, you don't deal with that lag of checking accidents right, yeah. coming back. Oh, I forgot to bring my gun to the pizza shop. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. They, you yeah. know, people forget to take their weapons and they leave them here. So uh, I would highly recommend if you're going to spend a long day out the range, pack your lunch. Yeah, you know, you said snacks, first aid kit, you know, and you, you know, you train everybody. Obviously, we're Police officers probably are pretty skilled in first responder and how to stop bleeding, gunshot wound, apply a tourniquet. But for your everyday layperson, mm -hmm. if they're going to buy a gun, I'm sure you would agree they should probably go learn CPR, go learn how to do an AED, go to one of those stop the bleed courses that the uh, American Red Cross and different people put on, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, as much as I, you know, I, I agree with the Second Amendment. I wish that it was enacted that you would have to have some kind of safety training with it. You know, that's just how I feel personally. You know, you drive a car, and people are going to disagree and argue with it, and it's okay, but this is my opinion. But, you know, you drive a car, you need you need to have a test, right? You know? Yeah. Uh, if you're going to have a loaded weapon, and, and it shouldn't be that you should want to. You should want to have training. You know, you should, you should want to do that if that's what you're going to do. And definitely safety training and at least basic CPR. You know? Yeah. The, you don't have to be a full advanced EMT, but some kind of basic CPR, you know, to go along with that. Well, you'd be happy to that Governor Murphy, and one of the things in his law that a lot of people are saying what you will about it, he does say that it's strongly suggested that new gun owners uh, attend a mandatory firearm safety course. Yeah. Which actually is a good thing. It's one of the I, I things think, that I agree with. Listen, if I, you know, and like I said, uh, people are going to have different opinions, but I, if I'm the NRA, I think I, you want that. You Absolutely. want, if you're the because now they got to sign up for your class, right? So, exactly. like, you would think they would want that. So, I, you know, but I, I definitely agree with that because um, obviously accidents happen every year um, because of those things and trying to keep those things under control by teaching safety first. Um, you know, that I think that's something that needs to be enacted upon as well. Yeah, and one of the things I train my private clients is, you know, you could have that accidental discharge and have to now fix it. You know, I might have to do some sort of emergency first aid, but if you do have an intentional discharge, you do shoot somebody and they don't die and now they're injured, and you can safely help the person, there may be a moral, there's clearly a moral obligation to help them, but you may have a civil obligation yeah. to try and help that person. And if you don't know what to do, or if you're panicked, and the last time you had CPR is when you went to, you know, the school pool when you were 15, yeah. it's going to be a struggle. Or yeah. it's a, if it's a two-way battle, people think that it's just Hollywood, you shoot the bad guy, the bad guy falls down and everybody's okay. Yeah. It may have been a two-way, long, drawn-out, protracted battle where maybe you're injured, a family member, a friend, co-workers injured, yeah. gunfire, edged weapons, a fall, something like that. And now you have to go from protector to saver. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, a couple of things I got written down here. Um, know your approach. This is a big one because uh, people, I think a lot of people that don't really know ranges don't know this. Know the appropriate weapon and ammo for each range. Okay. People don't. I think a lot of people don't realize that there's different ranges for different things. Like you can't shoot certain rifles at different ranges because they don't have the backdrop to stop it, or the mound's not high enough or deep enough. So definitely, you might want to ask the range that you're going to. Don't just think because you like bought this weapon. 
uh, that you can go to any range now. So that might be something for the user out there that might buy something. Call them ahead of time. Say, hey, I bought this weapon. This is the ammo I got. Can I shoot it at that range? And they'll, they'll know right away, obviously. So that's something that I think some people need to take into consideration. A um, couple other notes I got here. If you're going to a private range, I don't know if this is the same, but like if you're going out, depends. You know, clean up your area, clean up your range. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, yeah. like at the gym, right? People don't leave weights around. Yeah, the, yeah, same thing. You know, clean up your area. Uh, they might tell you. They might tell you not to pick up stuff if it's a private range. They might have people that do it and they want to handle it. But um, definitely do that. And for our eco-friendly friends out there, you can recycle brass. A lot of people don't know that either. You can recycle. When I say brass, I say that that's the empty shells. That's that hot thing that burns me. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's the hot brass. You can recycle that. I mean, and you can go to a scrapper or what you what a scrapyard or whatnot, and they'll give you money for buckets full of scraps. I mean, not a ton of money, but right. You can at least recycle, get some money back, and um, you know, you're maybe pay for your lunch. Yeah, and get a free lunch out of it. So you can do that as well. So earlier you said know your backstop and beyond. Can you can you talk a little bit about that about the like the penetration power of bullets and different things? Both for homeowners, if they're considering firearms for home safety, and if they want to shoot in their backyard, if they want to shoot in this patch of woods. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, I think that, the, the, you know, you can go, I, I don't have the like numbers in front of me, obviously, mm -hmm. but I, from my experience and things that I've seen, mm -hmm. I mean, you can shoot a handgun, most handguns, and as long as you have, you know, a good amount of mound, um, that it's pretty deep, it's gonna be fine. Uh, you'll be, be able to shoot. Like your backstop at the range? Yeah. Uh -huh. But uh, just know that if you're shooting any kind of rifle, those rounds travel and they do not stop. Um, I've done some hands-on testing with rifles, personally. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen a rifle round go through, it will go through the front of a car door, the back of a car do door, through a vest, front and back, and through a piece of wood and keep going. You know. So the Hollywood bent of a car stops machine gun bullets is probably not. No, nah, it's going to keep flying. So know that if you're no, like I said, going back to your range of knowing what they can handle. Most rifle rounds, you need a pretty thick backstop. Um, so don't just think you're going to go out back in your, you know, house and you got a little bit of mounted dirt. It's going to stop. Like it might just keep going through that mount if it's not thick and deep enough. I don't. I don't know off the top of my head the numbers of like right, right. height versus width. You know. Um, but as you alluded to, they're clearly accessible on the internet. So yeah, as I mean, a, as a gun owner, if you buy it and you want to find out, all right, I got this two two three. How far will this round go? Because each one, like a hollow point, a soft point, a tactical urban round, or a fully jacketed round, are, are going to have different penetration uh, depths, right? Yeah, and so you can easily. I mean, that stuff you can easily look up online, and it will tell you how high of a mound, how deep of a mound of a backstop for the range you, that you need. Uh, what kind of range it would be able to handle that, but yeah, I mean most handguns uh, most of the ranges are built obviously for handguns, mm -hmm. but um, Yeah, a rifle round is gonna keep going and that's what's scary about a rifle round just then that also know that like You know if you're keeping a rifle in your house and You think you're gonna use it for home protection Just know that you know if you get into someone let's say breaking in your house that rounds gonna keep going It could right. go into the neighbor's house, you know, it's gonna right. keep it's gonna keep going until it hits metal, pretty much. Yeah. So then they're back, we're back to that moral obligation and that civil, mm -hmm. potentially criminal mm -hmm. liability. Yeah, if yeah. You, if you just start spraying and praying. Yeah. You know, with that two, two, three or that three oh eight, just. Yeah, it's gonna just fly. Like I seen it personally. Like I said, I seen <laughs> it go through car metal car doors, vests, 
and it, nothing's slowing it down. So, so that soft body armor that cops wear, the rifle can can penetrate that. So yeah, and that, that's you know that's why you know vests aren't bulletproof, right? They're bullet resistance, right? Okay. Like you know they're not a hundred percent guaranteed to stop everything. So another Hollywood myth, you know, yeah, you yeah. see some guy get lit up with like a machine gun and all things. Yeah, I'm all right. And then <laughs> like, what do they always do next? They check their vest so we can see it. They take the bullet out, then they take the vest off. Yeah. Right? They're like, yeah, I'm all good now. I'm all good. Yeah. It worked once. Apparently yeah. I'm not going to get into a shooting we're, anymore. We're good now. So what about like education of like, we get the firearms education from our firearm instructor. Like that education when you're going to the range. I'm really big on people knowing where you are, knowing how to get help and so forth. You remember, you know? Um, like, like the address of what your range. Oh is yeah, so yeah, if you're especially if you're gonna be out in the woods, right? Like if you're going out to like a range in the middle of the woods or whatnot, definitely want to know at least the address. So if there's an emergency, you know who to call nine one. Or at least know um, if you're going to a private range, know the name of the range, the street that it's on, because that's the thing. You're going to a private range, you don't know who's next to you in those lines. Like mm -hmm. there's not really a lot of background checks in those places, you know. Right. Uh, that you know they're really going in depth about you know so you don't really know who's shooting next to you in some of those lines and you get someone that might get crazy or might get out of control or might just have an accident you know right. maybe you know and so you might have to call 911 so you want to at least be able to tell a dispatcher hey i'm at this place on this street this is what happened you know because right, right. if you just call them, i'm in a shooting i'm in a shooting range i don't know where i'm at like you're not helping anybody. <laughs> you're just spinning everybody up, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I did an earlier podcast on that, on how to call 911. And you, from experience, one of the most frustrating things as an officer is trying to get help to people that clearly sound like they need help, but they don't know where they are. Yeah. They don't know where they are. And they think, well, just, just GPS my phone. Not everybody's <laughs> Jack Bauer. We, not everybody can do that yet. That's what people think, though. Yeah. Yeah, but def if you're going to go into a new area, a new range or somewhere like that, definitely safety tip uh knowing where you're at <laughs> you know and that goes for anything in life no you know know that i think we talked a little bit on the last podcast about mm -hmm. traveling just knowing your environment knowing the street signs and for sure yeah giving a little idea where you went now what about safety like uh keeping your firearm safe at home yeah um you recommend for that definitely locked up right like obviously i you say that but people think like oh I'll just keep the weapon here uh, i'll keep it out in the open um that's a huge liability if you don't have it locked up, you know? And then if you do have it locked up, make sure that if you got kids in the house, um, that you keep the keys hidden, well hidden, or at least out of reach for them to get. Right. So um, I'd say if you're gonna buy a handgun, then at the minimum, 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 you're gonna have to buy a lock. And so a lot of police departments actually hand out free locks too. Okay. So um, I know that personally, that a lot of, hand, um, you can go down to your local police station and you can ask them and they'll probably provide you with a free lock for your gun at least. So if you're the type of person that says, you know what, I don't have it, I don't want to have it in a safe, I don't want to have to have it, I still want to have access to it, you can get an easy uh, lock for it that will still keep it safe. It won't keep it you know, from being seen, but it will still at least be uh, to the point where someone will be able to fire it and right. you'll still have access to it. So there's, there's prying hands, yeah. there's curious minds. You know, I'm a big proponent of showing children when they get old enough a firearm taking them to the range, letting them see, hear, and feel, and witness the destructive power, you know, shooting a watermelon or a two liter bottle of soda, just so they can see. It's not like that first person shooter game on TV where guy just falls down, you walk past him and nothing happens. Like this yeah. is a real loud, strong piece of, of killing. Yeah. It's right there, that's what it's designed to do. Yeah, respect the power, you know, exactly. kind of thing. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, you know, uh, keep you have to keep them locked up. You gotta you gotta keep them safe. You gotta have a, a good safe too if you're gonna get a safe. You know, don't buy just some cheap thing that they're gonna be able to pop open with a, a fork. You know, like right, yeah. Um, you know, because kids will figure that out real quick. So it's kind of like running that line. So would be ready. What safety man would always say is keep it locked up, but then build it into your plan. Okay, mm-hmm. your home invasion plan is somebody's calling nine one one, someone's barricading the door, and this is how we're getting the gun out of the safe to make it to make it lock. Yeah, it gets you awake, it gets you ready for it. You're giving your command, stay out of the house. I have a gun. Stay out of the house. I have a gun. The police are on their way, and you're announcing and all those different things. So that helps you civilly, and hopefully the person will leave because. Heaven forbid, we, we don't want to use deadly force. Yeah. And it, it protects you and everybody else in the house that they know. Uh, Corey's yelling that somebody's got a gun, so we got to barricade or do whatever our plan is. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, it makes total sense. So you would, you're a big proponent of training with that, that weapon, making it second nature so you don't have to look at it because it's probably going to be dark, you're going to be nervous. Yeah, if the first time you have to use that gun is when someone breaks in your house, like, that's not a good sign. No. Like, yeah. Not <laughs> that's not gonna be good for anyone. That's no way that's gonna end well for anybody. Um, but just being able to handle it, so going out to the range. And you know, I would recommend that, I mean, police officers, we have a training regimen, obviously. But I would say that if you have a weapon, you should be going out to the range at least once, twice a year minimum, you know? Mm-hmm. Just stay fresh on the weapon every six months or whatnot. Um, and the other thing about it, too, is like, it's fun. You know, like, it's fun it to go fun. out. Then. You know, I've gone on a couple dates where, you know, I've taken someone out and they really enjoy just shooting it. You know, really? so it's fun, you know, like it's a it's a good date night, right? Like, I have to be safety man. <laughs> Women, don't go shooting on a first date. Yeah. I have to be safety man. Sorry, Anthony. Just, I had to throw that out there. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, hey, you know what? You can have fun. You can go out uh, with a friend. Uh, it doesn't have to be a date, right? You go out with your friends, your guys, and uh, you can you can have fun and you're getting your training done too. Like yeah. you're, you're learning and having fun at the same time, you know? And save the beer for afterwards. Yes, and then then go out and get something to drink and get something to eat and you know talk about how much you know you shot better than that person and rub yeah, it in a little bit. Yep, exactly. You know, so exactly. Well, Anthony, I think we covered just about all the things I can think of for firearm safety, range safety. Was there anything that I didn't touch on that you wanted to? No, I think I got on. Oh, you know what? One last thing, real quick. Yeah, please. Uh, appropriate dress. Okay. Right. Uh-huh. So if you're gonna go out. To the range, right? I'm wearing I'm wearing a tank top right now. If you're gonna go out the range and it's like ninety, I know. I thought those were the guns we were going to. Yeah, I brought two guns with me, right? (laughs) Uh, If you're gonna go out the range, it's ninety five degrees and there's no shade, and you're gonna be wearing a tank top and shorts, and you're in the middle of the woods where there's ticks and fleas or you know whatever. Like, yeah, this is obviously not gonna end well for you. So. You know, wearing long pants uh, if you're going to be in a wooded area. Or just pants. Yeah, or, or any pants, right? Unless it's a date. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going there. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, you know, and just wearing appropriate, you know, and if you're going to be outside, it's cold, obviously, you know, dress appropriate. Stay. Yeah. So that, that's just, it seems like common sense. You would think it's common sense, but there's always the, one, common, right? there's always the one guy that shows up and you're like, what are you wearing right now? Like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, go. Just go. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming out. Yeah. Thanks for coming out. God bless. Good night. <laughs> so. Anthony, I think we uh, we think we get a fantastic podcast here today. Uh, be ready with Safety Man. Safetyman.co. Listen to this podcast. Come back. Anthony and I are going to try and hit one of these a month. If you have any ideas, hit me up at safetyman.co or just uh, put a comment down at the bottom of the podcast. Uh, Anthony, any uh, social media contact information for you? Um. 
you know what? You can follow me on Twitter. It's uh, Itahogi. It's E-A-T-A-H-O-A-G-I-E. Itahogi. So if you have any questions, you can hit me up there, and I'll be sure to answer them for you. Great. Now I'm hungry. Okay, let's get it. <laughs> All right, Anthony. Thanks, brother. All right, thank you.